Welcome to my series on demystifying the DSM. It's a great learning experience if you just kind of came across this uh, in a Google search specifically for eating and feeding disorders. I am starting the chapter in the DSM for eating and feeding disorders. So I'm Christy Bundukumara, psychiatric nurse practitioner with over 20 years of clinical experience but I get my real experience from many things and hardships that have happened in my life. And I am passionate about teaching and empowering people. We are going through this series of demystifying the DSM because the DSM is often kind of looked at as this scientific book with a list of symptoms. And the lay, lay people have a really hard time understanding how that is practical for their life. And even professionals often feel like it's just a cluster of symptoms put together. What does that mean for actual treatment? Diagnosis is clear, but how, what do we do with that? How do we treat that uh, moving forward? Some of the disorders in the DM DSM have had lots of research around treatment options. Some have not. So today we are starting the series on eating and feeding disorders. And the first in the series is pica. So pica is when someone is eating non-nutritious, non-food items. Okay. So when we talk about the DSM, there's always a list of symptoms and then there's criteria. And in PICA, they, there's four criteria that you must meet to receive this diagnosis. So the first is that the person is consuming non-nutritious, non-food items for more than a month. So it's not like just one day you, you know, you eat something and you kind of feel weird about it, but this is something like it's consistently happening uh, for more than a month. So that's the first criteria A. Criteria B is that it's inappropriate for age. Right? We all know our kids go through a phase where they put everything in their mouth and that is inappropriate for their age. Right? The third criteria, criteria C, is that it's not culturally appropriate. So there are some cultural ceremonies or cultural rituals that people consume products that are not food. And it is part of a either spiritual journey or it is part of, you know, kind of a cultural ceremony. So pica would, it would not be appropriate to that culture. And then the fourth criteria, criteria D, is that it is not associated with intellectual disability, autistic spectrum disorder, or other severe developmental or mental health conditions, right? But the reality is, is this is where we often see it, okay? So it can, you can diagnose PICA in those populations if it is severe enough that it needs separate attention, okay? So if the overall um, behavior of the child or, or even the adult with intellectual disability or autistic spectrum is you know, kind of having a behavior where they're putting things in their mouth, they're consuming non-food items, 
but it can be kind of modified with behavior modification. It's not dangerous. We wouldn't add a PICA eating disorder diagnosis on top of their autistic spectrum diagnosis. However, oftentimes it gets to the point where it is, it is actually dangerous. If you can imagine uh, if, if somebody is peeling paint off the wall and eating it, right? That is a toxic chemical that can become dangerous for them. What if they swallow things like paper clips, um, things that could cause obstruction, right? That becomes dangerous and we need to address it separately. So when we look at criteria D, it clearly says in not in combination with intellectual disability and autistic spectrum, unless it's causing significant impairment or it is dangerous. So it is important to add to that. So how do we treat PICA? Well, as a practitioner who also is well-versed in kind of alternative medicine, functional medicine, I really challenge pediatricians, doctors, to look at making sure that there's not a vitamin deficiency that this person is kind of subconsciously trying to compensate for, okay? And often it's not going to be they're compensating for what with what they need. It's just their body knows they need something, and so then therefore they are kind of putting just things in their mouth and swallowing them, right? Especially in the intellectually disabled population, autistic spectrum population, if they're not able to really communicate, it might be difficult to determine the why. So in the population of people who are able to communicate, do have insight into their behavior, cognitive behavioral therapy is the treatment of choice. So cognitive behavioral therapy is the way that I think impacts my behaviors and choices. And so we would kind of help them analyze what's going on before you put these things in your mouth. What are you thinking about? And we, we try to, you know, uncover from there what might be the, this, the unconscious why. Okay. And so the cognitive behavioral therapy would be the treatment of choice for PICA However, let's make sure that there's not actually vitamin deficiencies. Let's run all of the B vitamins, D, and you know, even try supplementation to see if that will decrease the behavior. If supplementation with even just a multivitamin decreases the behavior, then let's dig deeper to maybe there is a vitamin deficiency. There's lots of things that we're learning. MTHFR, which is like our inability to convert. There's, you know, genetic testing as well as vitamin testing. And again, this is not my specialty. And so I don't want to necessarily teach on it, but I want it to be in the back of your mind that if you're having trouble treating the pica, let's dig deeper to see if there is some sort of deficiency that you're unconsciously trying to compensate for. So if someone is capable, they would do cognitive behavioral therapy. And if they are intellectually delayed, it is difficult to do cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Because that takes the ability to, you have to have the ability to abstract think to successfully do cognitive behavioral therapy. So then it, you would work on just behavioral therapy. And in severe cases, 
you might do ABA, which is um, a more strict uh, type of behavioral therapy. So kind of that is the spectrum of treatment. I would not say that there's any specific psychotropic medication that we would use for pica by itself. But as a practitioner, I'm also looking at the peripheral. What else is going on? Is there impulse control? So we, we see impulse control problems with anyone who has an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, uh, which could mean ADHD, which could be part of their intellectual disability. And maybe we need to treat that impulsive behavior with medication. So look at the whole picture rather than just pica um, in particular, because there's not a, a specific, any kind of psychotropic medication treatment for pica, but look at what other behaviors are going on, what other symptoms are going on. Can we, if the CBT or the behavioral therapy is not effective, are there medications that might help uh, decrease those impulses to uh, consume non-food products? So that is uh, the first disorder in our feeding and eating disorder section and continue to follow us through demystifying the DSM.